I don't know how many of you have been watching the Olympics, but uh, I've spent some time with them, and I, I've, I've noticed something in the course of watching the different events. If I know the backstory of the person who's competing, it, it makes it much more engaging, and I feel much more of a, a connection with that, that person, and it engages engages my heart. <coughs> and, and that uh, speaks to our, our human empathy, our capacity as humans that's so natural to uh, resonate with each other's life if we actually have an, a little bit of information about them. We are both resonant or empathic but we are also, um, at the same time, beyond any description, beyond any story. And I find that the, our unique individuality and our, you could say, our transcendent nature uh, coexist all at the same time. One of the ways that this occurred to me again in the last few days as I was speaking to someone who is a who immigrated to the U.S. at age 12 uh, from uh, Iran, and his family essentially escaped Iran. His father was part of the the government of the deposed Shah of Iran, and just just before the the breakout of the huge revolution that turned Iran into much more of a theocracy and made it, um, made it a, a difficult place for many people to live and lack of freedom uh, in a certain way that we so easily take for granted. But at age, this was age eight, kind of thrown out of Iran into, the, into uh, France. And he had been uh, spent some time in France in the summertime, and so knew France a little bit, but was thrown into this culture that never lived there, left home. And then within a year was thrown out of France and ended up in San Francisco. And then has been, you know, has been through so many things. And I'm, I'm saying this because every one of us, everybody has a story. So many experiences. And when I was talking to that person about all their, their experiences and all of their, the story of their life, all the things that made an imprint in their visceral experience of life and that created the filters through which they perceive life. I asked them, how does it, when you speak of this, how, it, how does it, how does it um, feel? What do, you, what do you experience here and now when you talk about those things? And the, the person described a feeling of a, a little bit unsettled because it, rem, it reminded the it reminded the person of all the losses and all the uncertainty and all the vulnerabilities of living a life where we don't know exactly what's going to happen next. 
marriage and divorce and all kinds of things that happen. But then an interesting thing happened when he described that feeling of unsettledness. And I just invited him to hover there for a little bit. And so maybe for you tonight, whatever you bring to this moment, the result of everything that you've been through, if your story, little pieces of your story uh, remind you of certain things and you feel some effect of, of that in the, in the here and now, invite that in. Let yourself feel the effects of your life. Well, an interesting thing happened when he did that. He felt the unsettledness for a time, and then it was gone. And it was just quiet. It was so quiet that it was as if nothing ever happened, which is really the truth about our life. Nothing ever happened in the deepest sense. That life, everything we've been through, is a dream. In for, as one poet put it, in for whatever remains. A dream in for whatever remains. In fact, you know, as I'm saying this, I'm thinking that, that one of my teachers uh, from, uh, from India, there was a, a three-part, a three-book biography done on this teacher, H.W.L. Uh, Punja. You may, you may find it interesting by a, a great writer named David Godman. And the, and the title of these, this three-part series was Nothing Ever Happened. So it, it might be an interesting thing for, to read. So we all live literally a split second from nothing ever happened. And from that vantage point of, of being right here, where no matter what it is that we are feeling, have been feeling as the residue of our life, when it meets the, the light of attention, that feeling shows itself to be very much like the life that we've lived. Even the feeling that we have is not permanent. It's dreamlike. It appears, it's felt, and then just like every other experience, it passes away. And why it is that we use our body and the felt experience of our life as our support, as our anchor, is because it brings us face to face with that reality, that dreamlike reality of our, our very existence. Yet at the same time, how each of us comes to this moment of nothing ever happened. When I say that, I'm, in some ways I mean that the past is gone. Future, unborn. When I come to that point, I don't have any immediate evidence for having been through anything. All I am is aware through the different sense doors of whatever's happening. And it turns out that this place that's so close, 
this nothing ever happened place, this place of aware presence, is the, is the relief that we are, that our drama, our story of our life is aiming for. It's aiming, our life story is about finding happiness, finding relief. It's about resolving our issues, resolving our family of origin issues, resolving our cultural issues, resolving all the issues. But there is not, not all family issues, not all social issues, they're not resolved by this, but the, but the fundamental issue of our dis-ease, of our, our queasiness, of our unsatisfactoriness, our basic existential dukkha, is, uh, can be, I should say, resolved when we let ourselves cut right into the, drop right into the middle of life. Not the idea of our life, but just touch life right where it touches us. And for moment by moment, not looking ahead and not looking back, just putting down, letting our, the story of our life rest for a moment and experience the nourishment of our inner nature of quiet, peace, silence, alive, aware presence, which needs no time for resolution. It only needs time to nurture this habit, but it takes no time to get there because it's your own natural awareness. So it asks us, our practice asks us to to be alert, to to be alert to what is not um, our story, which the poet Hafez would call in some ways in regard to this this place of, of unconditional well-being, he would, call, he would call our story the counterfeit coins. If we stay too lost in the story of our life and miss this ever-present wakefulness and clarity, our story turns into something that, that, that prevents us from, from seeing that within each of us is this great potential for freedom. As Hafez says, learn to recognize the counterfeit coins that may, oh, I wish I forgot the words, but may provide you a moment of pleasure, but then drag you for days on end like a broken man behind a farting camel. And he does this in the context of a poem where he says, you are with the friend now. And the friend is your own capacity to be aware. 
And you're looking brighter when, you're, when you are aware. He says you can stay that way and even bloom. He says keep squeezing drops of the sun. That, that metaphor of light, the light of attention. Keep squeezing drops of the sun and just let yourself feel the, the, the body until you feel your body so closely. You feel that breath so closely that the breath goes away and the body goes away. And there's just presence. And we are literally at that point right now. There's no path to that freedom. The path surrounds us in every instant. But our mind is constantly going to the story of the past, the story of the future, as rich and as beautiful and as heart-engaging as our story is. If we live in it, we're deprived of this place that has never, ever been bound. And that's just awareness. So this is why we, we sit and we connect with this immediate present in our practice. I was looking down and I saw the passage from Blaise Pascal who said all of humanity's problems stem from human beings' inability to sit quietly in a room alone. Which to me just says it's our inability to stop and squeeze the drops of the sun that come from our own attention. I was, in a, when I'm in a pinch on an a afternoon of meeting with people, I'll go into the Starbucks and grab a sandwich. And I was just zooming today, <laughs> moving very quickly, and I picked up the sandwich, and it, the, and it had a little piece of tape that holds it together, and it said, slow down, <laughs> enjoy your food. <laughs> And it's so, I, it just reminded me how easily it is to, to speed through my life, to speed through our lives. And what richness, what joy, what peace, regardless of the situation in my life, what peace and joy comes from that, that, simple, mo that simple moment of slowing down, of knowing what I'm doing when I'm doing it. And for at least that time, not pursuing the past or the future, just opening the sandwich, eating when I'm eating, chewing when I'm chewing, swallowing when I'm swallowing. So easy to miss. And it's so accessible. It's free. 
not the sandwiches from Starbucks. <laughs> but the joy of, of noticing and experiencing that, that process. So, so interesting to me is our nature, so vast and inclusive. So much not what we usually think about or consider as our nature. Just even that inclusion of that, the sound of that siren. And then the, the way our, at least my heart kind of quivers a little bit when I think of, when I think of what kind of problem may be arising from that. Just to include all that in awareness, for that to be known in real time. That's kind of amazing to me. So here's uh, from the poet Steve Taylor, kind of a spiritual poet. This is his poem called Become the Sky. This cage you've been trapped inside and this is, when I think of this cage, I think in terms of the, sometimes when we're trapped in our speed or our narrative, this cage you've been trapped inside for longer than you can remember might seem so sturdy and secure that you don't even dream of escaping anymore. Like a bird that used to beat its wings but now just lets them hang limply by its sides. But the bars of your cage aren't solid. They're a mirage made up of fears and desires projected by your restless mind, fueled by the attention you give them. For a moment, let your mind be quiet and see how fear evaporates. See how desires withdraw. Like the claws of an animal that no longer feels threatened. Watch the bars melt away and let the world immerse you. Let your mind space merge with the space out there until there is only space without distinction. Stretch your wings and become the sky. So the, the Buddha Dharma is a, a study. The te- Buddha Dharma means teachings of the Buddha. They include a, a doctrine, teachings that consist of countless lists, things that remind us about the nature of reality, about our life. So they include a doctrine, and then they include practice. So the doctrine, hopefully, when you hear the teachings, it compels you to practice. And if you practice enough, it, it leads you to understand the doctrine. And so it, the two feed into one another. And the essential study, the essential doctrine, is ourselves. As beautifully expressed by the Zen master Dogen, To study the Buddha Dharma is to study 
ourselves or study the self. But to study the self, he continues, is to forget the self, is to go beyond the idea of ourselves, to go beyond the stories of ourselves. To study the Buddha Dharma is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be awakened by all things, by the myriad things. It means to, to, be, to have everything we experience in real time be our path, be awakened by it, be enlivened by it. Let everything to be the reminder of this capacity, again, for awareness. This place of immediacy where we can sense, and I don't know if this language makes sense, where we can sense that nothing ever happened. That our whole life, all the 65,000 thoughts that you had today, that most of them, 90% repeats from the day before, all the thoughts are gone, the feelings are gone, the experiences are gone, the relationships are gone, and the ones that are not eventually will. And that we rest right in the middle of life, on, in that poignant place where all has not been lost yet. But we find comfort in knowing that right in the middle of it all, there is this unshakable, unconditional sense of aware presence that can accommodate that. So instead of having to kind of hide away and pretend that everything doesn't go away, we, keep, we start embracing the dream-like nature of our life. We go through every day seeing everything like a dream. You're in my dream right now. I'm in your dream. How did you get into my dream? Here you are. If I relate to you as part of my own mind, as the part of the dreamscape of my mind, somehow not outside, not separate, but part of the display of my mind, I'm going to feel a little bit more open to you. Now, of course, if you start screaming at me or doing this, I may have all kinds of reactions, but that's also part of the dreamlike nature. My own internal reactions, all that drama that seems so real and so permanent and so me, So we, we let everything, we allow ourselves to be awakened by everything. We stop separating ourselves out. Because in that moment of silence, that moment of aware presence, there's no me, there's no you, there's no self at all. There's just what there is, life. Now, of course, the paradox is that 
in order to rec recognize that, you had to be born as an individual with your whole history and story. And so the story of our lives, the pains of our lives, exist simultaneously with this transcendent nature of silence, of presence. And if we just tip the balance a little bit more toward this experience of immediacy, this is where I think we find the, the stillness, the strength, the resilience, the openness, the sky-like openness and impartiality to be able to deal with our lives. To be able to take things a little bit lighter. What's that? There's some line about angels. Angels can fly because they take themselves lightly. But that's you. And how do we lighten up? How do we lighten up? Slow down. Nature works slow or medium. Nature doesn't move fast. Everything is unfolding. Everything happens of itself. So when I said that just now, I remembered the Gendon Rinpoche line where he says, and I might even have it with me, says, happiness cannot be found through great effort and willpower, but is already present in open relaxation and letting go. Don't strain yourself. There is nothing to do or to undo. Whatever momentarily arises in the body and mind has no real importance at all and has little reality whatsoever. Why get so identified with it, becoming attached to it, passing judgment upon it and ourselves? Far better to let the entire game happen on its own, springing up and falling back like waves, without changing and manipulating anything. And notice how everything vanishes and reappears magically, again and again, time without end. Only our searching for happiness prevents us from seeing it. It's like a vivid rainbow which you pursue without ever catching, or a dog chasing its own tail. Although peace and happiness do not exist as an actual thing or place, it is always available and accompanies you every instant. Don't believe in the reality of good and bad experiences. They are like today's ephemeral weather, like rainbows in the sky. Wanting to grasp the ungraspable, you exhaust yourself in vain. As soon as you open and relax this tight fist of grasping, infinite space is there, open, inviting, comfortable. So make use of this spaciousness, this freedom and natural ease. Don't search any further. Don't go into the tangled jungle looking for the great awakened elephant who's already resting quietly at home in front of your own fireplace. Nothing to do or to undo, nothing to force, nothing to want, and nothing missing. 
marvelous. Everything unfolds by itself. So how can we bear witness to this dreamlike nature and experience our life with less grasping and aversion is to be awake, be aware. So I'll leave you with the words of the Buddha. This is from a this is from the Bod Bodhubrata Sutta. <laughs> I can't read it, my eyes are The Buddha taught, do not pursue the past. Do not lose yourself in the future. The past no longer is. The future has not yet come. Looking deeply at life as it is in the very here and now, the practitioner dwells in stability and freedom. We must be diligent today. To wait until tomorrow is too late. Death comes unexpectedly. How can we bargain with it? The sage calls a person who knows how to dwell in mindfulness night and day, one who knows the better way to live. So your challenge for this week is to, as many moments as you can remember, well in stability and freedom, continual mindfulness from the moment you lift your head off the pillow in the morning till the time you fall asleep, even noticing so carefully that you notice whether you fall asleep on an in-breath or an out-breath. But you commit yourself to whenever you can remember with all the love in your heart and forgiveness for the countless moments that you'll miss that every possible moment that you can, that you know what you're doing when, know what you're doing when you're doing it, and that you, you see whether these teachings are just teachings, is it just doctrine, or, and just filed in some teachings you heard, or, or is it the cause of the the spiritual powers of faith and confidence that comes from direct experience, and then wisdom and energy, and concentration, and what it's like to have a mind that is powerfully and continuously mindful. We're so much more, we have so much more capacity than we give, give ourselves to. But we have to, have to commit ourselves to stepping out of time a little bit more. And when I say that, I mean just noticing what we're doing. Anyway, enjoy. Thanks for listening. And as usual, we like to, um, at the end of an evening, we, we like to consider if there's been any benefit to us sitting together and practicing, that we offer any of the blessings or the goodness from our practice to all beings everywhere, that uh, most, most beings are living out their life dramas and not knowing that there is a, a place of freedom in the middle of it. And so it, it is most people living in the counterfeit coins. 
And so we offer the, the goodness of our practice and the blessing and a deep wish that we remember and that all beings remember, that all beings can have happiness, this happiness of freedom and the causes of happiness growing every day, and that all beings can be free of so much mental suffering and physical suffering and the causes of suffering, and a deep wish that, that all beings can recognize this natural freedom and ease, and that all beings can grow in serenity and equanimity so, so that our human experience of so much intensity can be accommodated with, with a little less reactivity, and that our practice today and every day be dedicated to, to everyone. So may all beings wake up and may our practice benefit all beings. Thank you. Also, thank you for your practice. Thanks for your generosity. And please remember that we need help uh, piling up the chairs and piles of four over against the wall. And hope to see you Sunday. The day long is called Calming the Restless Mind. And it's an opportunity to be at that beautiful center and, and sit and walk all day long. So please come, bring your friends. And if anybody wants a book, I'm, I've got a new little box here. So thanks for your practice. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.